0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm your host, Duro Harris, sitting in for Matt. Matt did the morning show, so I'm filling in for Guy. We have a great show today. I have two very special guests. Both these guys I know real well. I actually grew up with them in the same little town across the state line called Port Arthur, Texas. Uh, Back in the 70s, the Golden Triangle was named the Pro Football Cap of the World. So I've got two great guests from my hometown. I look forward to talking with them later in the show. we got Vernon Wells coming on at 4.15. And uh, my neighbor, Joe Washington, coming on at 5.15 hour. Looking forward to talking with those guys. Mish, it's August. You Know what that means, don't you?
2: Oh, we're getting a lot closer to football, aren't we?
1: Yeah, training camp is open all around the league. The vets are in camp, uh, putting the pads. The first game is this Thursday. Wants to have the Hall of Fame game, it's on, man.
2: Oh, exactly. And speaking of, I mean, I mean, since you play in the NFL, do you feel like you, you got to uh strap up, put the pads on too, put on the helmet?
1: Hey, is that time of year? I, I feel good, but. I'm only ready for for one play, third down only. Okay, third downs. <laughs> After that, send me to the oxygen, man.
2: <laughs> oh man! And, and and speaking of third downs, I mean, you you're probably like simulating going back to it, kind of pointing at the rep, being like, "Hey, am I lined up? Getting getting the inside leg pointed? Look looking at the quarterback, ready for him to ready for the center to hike it." And speaking of the inner leg, I mean, you know how. Like wide receiver rule is you always have the inside leg be forward. Well, explain that one because I, I, I've never really understood I, I play wide receiver, I do it, but I, I don't know the reasoning behind why you put your inside leg forward.
1: Well, it, it varies. You do what you feel the most comfortable with, but for me the main reason was you just had more flexibility by having an inside leg up and the uh, back leg to the outside. It helps you to maneuver a little bit off the line if you get bump and run coverage. But uh, I tell guys, hey, whatever leg you feel most comfortable with pushing off because you got to be able to run once the ball is snapped. So don't yeah. put a leg back there where you can't push off and explode. You want to explode off the ball and get down the field. So do what's best for you, whatever you're comfortable with, and that's the main thing. But get off the line of scrimmage and get down the field as quick as possible.
2: Uh, that's Yeah, that's fair because, I mean, for me, my more powerful leg is the right leg, so I, I'd be able to push off better. So I, I guess either way, I would probably just have – my left leg be forward but then again i mean i know i could i could cut inside with the left or cut inside with the right or outside either way so I, I, yeah i guess that makes sense yeah all i can is
1: tell what shooter would tell you james just get open <laughs> there it is just find a way all right make just it find a
2: way. and and i mean yeah th- thinking about that cuz it's like okay well i know for me at some points if i know like the cornerback's going to try and jam me and they're close to the line, well, it's like maybe I take a half step back. That way they kind of put their momentum forward trying to jam me, but I take the step back, and I land at both feet at the same time, and then I could just kind of do a shimmy shake. Oh, am I going to go left, or am I going to go right?
1: Well, it's just uh, different releases always keep those guys off balance. Uh, I like to take that wide release and make the guys turn the hips and run, and once I saw a defensive back turn his hips, then I knew I could stop and go the other way, and he'd have to either stop – to change direction. All you have to turn his back and wheel away from you, which is a, a no-no anyway. So either way, he's beat. So uh, you just have to be observant and, and watch the guys and see how they're playing position-wise. If the inside technique, you know he has man on you most of the time because once you get inside, you're free, so they try to protect that. So we would do things to pull him out of that, make him uh, sh- shuffle to the side rather than backpedal so you close the cushion down. There are a lot of tricks of the trade that you take a – an old veteran like myself would put to a young guy out there and you know kind of give him a haircut real quick,
2: <laughs> give him a haircut. So okay, yeah. So you would probably kind of just immediately start heading towards the outside, more towards the the, the sideline, and then once they're kind of even with you, kind of like hip to hip, then you'll kind of make almost like a swim move, like how your teammates your teammate used to do, and then you just get go immediately le- left, almost like kind of like a slant. Yeah, just
1: redirect their force and cut inside of them and you're open. And we would vary our splits. You know, you can do so much from your, from your, where you line up. A lot of young receivers tend to line up uh, close to the sideline when they're running an in route and way away from the sideline when they're running out. So what I would try to do is line up in the same position and be able to run both routes. And you do that by adjusting your release off the ball. Yeah. I could line out and you think I'm too too far out to run out route. But on my release, I release back to the inside of an angle and I gain back that ground. And by the time I push-up field, now I've got more room on the sideline. And while you make the defense go side-to-side, the side, back, he lose position where he is on the field. So your lineup was very, uh, could be very tricky to those guys and make them think you're doing one thing when you're doing the opposite. So various splits, different angles off the ball, off the line of scrimmage, those are things that help you uh, get open. And always try to make your routes look the same during that middle portion. Mm-hmm. I can run what they call from the receiver stem. I can run a curl. I can run a, a go, I can run a comeback and between 7 and 12 yards, you can't tell which is which. Is that last little push where I break it off, I go where I want to go, but trying to disguise it to the very last minute is a key to getting open.
2: Yeah, you don't you don't want to show any like tendencies cuz it's like, okay, well if he's leaning inside a whole bunch, well he's probably going to run a slant or run an in route or something, but it's like if if you're if you're kind of doing the same thing over and over, it's like, okay, well is he going to run a is he going to run a corner? Is he going to run out? Is he going to run in? Is it going to be a post? Is he coming back? What is he going to do? I don't. Yeah.
1: So receivers, you're, you're a natural-born poker player, James. Yeah. You, you, uh, can, you, you, you have the, to keep it the same way. Same you run face. the deep ball. The ball is on the throne or it's coming. The defense back is looking your face and watching your eyes. A lot of young receivers, when the ball is coming, their eyes get big as – bowling balls, they're trying to focus. You have to try to keep a calm, dead face and just let the ball just land right over their heads. But if you show an expression in your face, they know to look back for the ball. So it's all kind of things you can do to keep a guy from knowing what's going on just by keeping a cool, calm, steady poker face, I call it.
2: Okay, yeah. there. You go. I'm going to have to write that down and uh, put that in the repertoire. Oh, good, <laughs> good. So uh, looking at it, I mean we're both football guys. I mean, you played and I kind of, I'm more of a student of the game. I mean, let's, I kind of want to look at, uh, some saints training camp. I mean, I know you were, you were sitting next to me during Georgia show. We were kind of watching some videos of saints training camp. What, what'd you think so far?
1: It looks great. Uh, saw a lot of intensity out there and coaches love to see when the guys have a little scrap like they had out there the other day. Uh, they act like they don't want you to do it, but they love to see it because you're getting a getting little testy guys are trying to make the team, get some things done. And uh, they they look really good as far as the uh, receiver position with the young guy, Olave, they got the first round. He looks good, and he keeps coming on like he is. going to really help that receiving core. If you get a guy like uh, Jarvis Landry, you get Michael Thomas back, then you bring in a young rookie like Olave, uh, which would be a great deep threat for the Saints. I think they're going to have a real good – uh, receiver tandem with those guys.
2: Yeah, and and it's a, it was it was a little unfortunate, I guess you could say, with Olave because he he was a part of a couple of the videos that you did see. But uh, sec- second year player Paulson Adebo and rookie Alante Taylor kind of made some good plays, some good pass breakups. So it, it kind of sucked that Chris was on the bad side of it. You were hoping it was like it was going against somebody like Kevin White or somebody that you weren't really expecting to make the team. You're hoping Chris would win those. But, I mean, it's good to see from the quarterback side since such good young corners are able to make plays and kind of just make a name for themselves this early in camp.
1: And that would be a great addition for the Saints if they can improve on their secondary because they were a little bit vulnerable there last year. So I'm sure they're pleased to see the young guys stepping up and competing for a spot. And they can end up with two great corners once this is all settled because those guys look really good out there.
2: Yeah, you got Marshawn, who's the lockdown guy. and It's a little bit of a question mark since Paulson Adebo did play a good bit on the outside as a rookie this last year, but having him, and then if you really need to, like you could switch to Bradley Roby, who's a seasoned veteran, played a while with the Broncos, won a Super Bowl with them, and then played the last couple of years with the Texans before getting traded to the Saints last year. He He was good at times. Paulson really stood out, so you kind of gave it to him, benefit of the doubt. Felt like he he really stood out in camp, and now you got Elante Taylor from Tennessee, kind of going under Paulson's wing, which is, which is kind of funny. Usually the the second year players are still kind of under the wing of the veterans, but the rookie's going under the wing of the second year player, which is funny to me.
1: Well, it's just showing you got some great competition there, and in this era of the of the passing game in the NFL, you can never have enough defensive backs. So if they can come out there with five or six good defensive backs. Uh, for the year, it'd be great because during the season, somebody goes down and you don't have anybody to step up. So the more competition you have back then in the secondary, the better. That coach will be able to sleep at night during the season.
2: Oh yeah, and and then you got the versatility of the safeties with Tyron Matthew and Marcus May because both of them they they both played as box safeties, but they've also played as the free deep middle safety as well. So it's like they get interchanged, so you never know exactly what the Saints are going to run. No, and you really,
1: I'm going to be really watching Tyron Matthew. I've watched him over the years, and this guy just seems to to end up where the ball is every time. He has such great instincts. He can read the offensive plays and schemes, and he's always run the ball. If he can be that way for the Saints, that secondary will be much improved this year.
2: And and, and looking at Tyron, what do you make of it since he's he's been out the last few days, they've He's been excused by the team, and they're saying it's a it's a family issue. Like, are are you worried about that? You no,
1: know, it's still early, and uh, these guys, a veteran guy like that, sometimes you make a, a transition from another team, and you're back in another area of things that you need to take care of personally. And these guys have so much demands on their times these days, so. Sometimes you can be a little short of time or you spread yourself a little thin. But if the coach is not concerned about it, I wouldn't be concerned about it. As long as he's there when it gets, uh, like I say, crunch time, it's time to start. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. you got to be there when you need him. But right now, they're looking at a lot of different guys who they're not sure about. Whereas a guy like Tyra uh, Tyra Matthew, his resume speaks for itself.
2: Okay, yeah. Because I wasn't super worried about that. But I know a lot of people online on like Instagram because they had seen that Tyron took a lot of the whatever Saints post he had. Like, he had taken it down recently. And people on Twitter were, like, freaking out about it. But it was, like, he still follows the team. And, the like you said, the coaches aren't worried about it. Coach Dennis Allen isn't worried about it. So, for me, and, and he just signed the contract. So, it's not like he's going to demand a trade already from his hometown team. I mean, he signed here for a reason. And he waited this long to make the decision to sign here. I I don't I don't get why there's a big fuss. Is it unfortunate that he's not there at the time? Yeah, but it's also a family matter where it's like that's not our business. That that's something for him to take care of. He'll be back when he needs to. Hopefully it's soon, but let's not jump the gun on anything.
1: And for myself, I'm 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 old school, so I don't really agree with all this tweeting during the season, doing practice. <laughs> Every time something happens, you run online to write something. Just just play football. Leave all that tweeting to the off season, you know, because fans are reading a different way, or you may uh, intended for it to go one way, but then it hits a negative way, and, you know, once it's gone, you can't bring it back. So just stay away from it. Put the computers up and just concentrate on football.
2: Yeah, I, I totally get that because it's like, look, once, once, once it comes down to, like, you proving why you are making this much money, like whatever distractions there are, the national media, the local media, whatever it is, the fans trolling you or whatever, just avoid it as much as you can because it's it's going to get to you. If you keep like put if you keep giving them attention, they're going to keep eating at it and they're going to eat you alive.
1: Yeah, best just to let it go and end it and just play football and make headlines on the field, not off the
2: field. Exactly, exactly.
1: Well, you listen to the game here at 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home of the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
0: We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? To more of the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Little Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguel and Mesh. I'm Duro Harris sitting in for Matt. And so now we have our first guest coming up. This guy and I go back a long ways. Played Sandlot football together. Played high school football together. We both went to the college, the Division One schools. He later went to the Calgary Stampeders and the CFL. I went to the Dolphins my good friend and neighbor from Lakeside Park, Mr. Vernon Wells. Vernon, how are you, man?
3: I'm doing good, man. Except, I, you know, I don't know you by Durial anymore.
1: <laughs> I know it. No one does. Everybody knows Needy, you know, but I wasn't going to exactly. put that on the air. <laughs> but that's how And I'm probably not to use your nickname on the air, too. I'm going to say that. It's just for us in the neighborhood, okay? <laughs> I
3: don't remember what it was.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not saying it. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, good. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Well, man,
1: <laughs> Vernon, I— I wanted to ask you, I get asked this a lot, so let me ask you. Lakeside Park, man, a little small community like that, we had, what, like five streets out there with houses? But yet, through the years, we've had about 12 guys to get football scholarships, a couple to play in the CFL, a couple to play in the NFL. What was it about growing up in Lakeside that produced so many athletes?
3: Well, I think that once – I think you were the last of the big four, But, you know, the Washington brothers, me and you, I think you were the last one out of that group, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's four pretty good athletes right there. And then the Hills came in, you know, at least Chester anyway, and uh, they saw what was out there, but it was wide open. It was like away from the city, and it was wide open to do whatever you wanted to do, and we chose to play ball. Do you remember the touch football games we had, and people would actually park their cars to watch.
1: Oh, man, those were some of the greatest games I've been involved with. Everybody exactly. talk about the, the Dolphins. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we had games. We played till the sun went down. It was like 64-64, and we are trying to break a tie. It was unbelievable, and the competition yep. was, was so great.
3: You can't find that anywhere in the country anymore.
1: And, and it didn't hurt that uh, we had three coaches – kids out there. Your your father coach, my father football coach, Joe's father football coach. Hey, I remember one time Joe and I brought extra equipment down to our football field and we stood up about eight guys and equipment, you know, and put big t-shirts on and we could have got our parents (laughs) fired for doing that.
3: (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know about that one.
1: Yeah, we we stood up the whole neighborhood, man. Well, look, in in high school, we both played at Stephen F. Austin, but I was always amazed by you, Vern, because you played multiple sports and you were good at all of them. I mean, from football, basketball, baseball, track. I mean, I remember you as a pole vaulter. How many How many people in the neighborhood yeah. were pole vaulters, you know? But you, you yeah. did it
3: all. So. I was the only idiot. I was the only one.
1: <laughs> well, you were brave to do that. But tell me, uh, what was your favorite sport in high school?
3: You know, I, it, it didn't really dawn on me until it was too late, but uh, I baseball had to be the best for me because of the four names I mentioned a while ago who were early in Lakeside everybody there was a football player and I was you know I was decent at football but uh I was better uh in terms of who's the best on the field at baseball mm-hmm. you know I, I think you were in the outfield the night we played uh at Gill, Gillum Circle. Don't remind
1: me. Don't remind me. Yeah. You, you it, hit it out of the park.
3: <laughs> we went to a sporting goods store that day, me and the, the coach, bought a new bat. Out Two out, the bottom of the last inning. he couldn't win it any better. I hit a ball out of the park, which had never been done at our age group before.
1: Exactly. I remember and, that. And it was,
3: we went so crazy. I don't think my feet touched the base, the, the ground more than twice between bases. Well, and so- then we looked around the next day, Nobody picked up the bat, so the bat didn't. <laughs> we, that, that was good, one and done for that bat.
1: Well, I'm still so, mad at, at our pitcher for our little league team for throwing that change up to let you hit it out of the park like that. Well,
3: I changed it from in the park <laughs> to out of the park. Yeah, you did change the
1: rest <laughs> in a hurry. Well, look, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you first love being baseball, but uh, you left high school and you went to Ranger, All American, then you get to TCU, and heck, you mm-hmm. make the All Sevens team at TCU as a wide yep. receiver. So for a guy to play something that wasn't his first choice and, and be that good at it, man, it just says a lot about well, you know, your athletic there, ability.
3: Therein lies my biggest regret. Uh, you know, like you said, I didn't play on the high school teams, and we, we kind of didn't explain why I didn't. But uh, when I got to TCU, the baseball coach already knew that I was a center fielder. So he asked me if I wanted to play, on the baseball team, at TCU.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I said, uh, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, I'm dead serious. He said, go ask Coach Shockner, who was a head football coach, if you can miss spring football to uh, play baseball. And I, well, I couldn't couldn't get to that office fast enough. And to my surprise, Shockner goes, the answer to your question is yes. I kind of saw that this maybe be having been being dealt with at that point. Right. But, yes, you can do it. He said, right now you're the starting flanker. We got Mike Renfro on one side and we got you on the other.
4: Right. But if
3: you if you miss the whole spring, you may not be the starter come fall. And see that's where I made my biggest mistake. There was nobody else coming in. All right. recruiting classes that you know, it was nobody else was coming in. Right. So I was I was still gonna be the starting receiver. Right. And I regretted and I didn't know it at the time, but if I had said yes and I had I had several friends that I've been playing baseball with since then from TCU that keep telling me every time they see me, you would have been a center fielder, you would have been a center fielder. And I'm like, okay. Then I find out I would have been the first black baseball player in the Southwest Conference. Wow, wow. And the reason I went to TCU is because you didn't go to the Southwest Conference, Joe didn't go to the Southwest Conference, and Kenny didn't go to the Southwest Conference. I would have been the only one from the neighborhood that went. Right, So I don't have any risk going there. I just wish I had taken them up on the baseball offer.
1: Well, like like so many times, man, you're probably just born too soon because you were the two way player before the Bo Jackson and the Deion Sanders. It's that it was unheard yeah. of doing your error, you know, just
3: Yeah, but I I did you an injustice, man. Every down that you were at Stephen F. Austin and I was at Stephen F. Austin, if they had me at quarterback, it was doing you a disservice. <laughs> no, no. Hey <laughs>
1: yeah. Speaking of that, our starting quarterback got hurt like the what, second, yeah. third game of the year and yep. How often do you take a receiver and put him ahead of the backup quarterback, which they did with you? So that shows you yep. right there that they had a lot of confidence in you and not much confidence in the other backups. And you went and played, you know, a quarterback. And man, that yeah, was great because.
3: I was, you know, even though a pass play was called, if I saw a place to run, I was running first. That's why <laughs> I was apologizing to you because you were wide open. But I had more confidence in me making somebody miss me running the ball than throwing the ball to you.
1: Well, it, you would have had.
3: It worked out great. If Tommy Primo great. had been the quarterback, you would have had you'd have been all world.
1: Well, well, thank you, but it would have been. It still worked out great. I mean, uh, we got a chance to, to play together, and man, it was just like sandlot ball, like we were back in the playground drawing up, but actually yep. doing it for organized team. So it was great. And I was believe all me, right. happy to have you there for the quarterback, man.
3: All right.
1: Well, well, look now, we we go off, and I go to Miami, and you you go to Kansas City, and you got released at the last cut. You go to Calgary. Mm-hmm. Then you, you you come to Miami, and you come there, and you, you tell me you're an artist. And I'm saying, now, where in the heck did that come from? You yeah. Know, you showed up right. at, you sh- I remember you showed up in a Volkswagen and a lot of artwork yeah. in the back seat, and you told me you're an artist. You wanted to commission a, a photo of me. and I said, sure. And, man, when I got it back, it was one of the nicest photos I've ever had done. In fact, you know, I still have it. And I know you've done a thousand since then because you've been commissioned by so many people, but I think I was maybe one of the first few uh, athletes who yeah. did and from the neighborhood. So I'm thinking right. that the one you did with me, man, might be worth a lot, might be worth a lot of money right now.
3: <laughs> no, I, you know, that's amazing how some things are more valuable than others. Uh-huh. And, and none of my things were worth anything until I went to uh, upper deck, the card company. Right. And, uh, after some of those originals became available, they actually sold to somebody in the public that wasn't in the painting. Right. So, yeah, there's there's quite a few people that do what I do, and it's just that at this point I've been doing it longer than most of them.
1: Now, besides Upper Deck, uh, just tell our uh, listeners there some of the people that you have done for as the uh, sports memorabilia work. Oh uh, man, of,
3: that's uh, just a few of the big ones. I know it's a few, so many. Two thousand. Uh, but th- I'll start with Muhammad Ali. Right, which you know, why not start with him? Sure, and that greatest. was a great experience because we did a, a limited edition uh, print where he had to sign everything, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had to sign him. So mm-hmm. we were we were together in the hotel room for most of the day, signing all that stuff and right. listening to all his stories and stuff. and oh, oh,
1: man. that was
3: that was pretty good. You know his his famous line when he he says uh, he's talking to somebody. He said, "Oh shoot, you the greatest." <laughs> well. When uh, he looked at me, he saw the painting. He saw the original before he saw the prints, and he said, "You did this?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And then he goes, "Shoot, you the greatest!" <laughs> you know, that was you know that made my day right there. Oh, who
1: wouldn't? I get chills just yeah. hearing that story, man. Now, yeah, what about man, some but, of the other athletes from the different sports? You know you did some football and some baseball stuff, right?
3: Yeah, I did. Uh, I did some basketball and some uh, NFL. But I did. I, tur- I for I had one little moment that my mind said, "Let's be a businessman about this." Right. Okay. Baseball plays 162 games a year. You get that's 162 opportunities you have to go to a game to sell your work. Right. Yeah, that's you know you put football and basketball together and they still ain't 162 a year. Exactly. So that's I jumped to baseball and that's that's when it really you know, happened. I got, you know, made it to Sports Illustrated a couple of times and, you know, just having the name out there where before the pandemic hit, you know, I was allowed to go to clubhouses to, you know, give my brochures out and stuff in spring training and guys would order. I delivered the paintings and it was like that. Life was good for a while, man. And then when I, they decided that me and other people that do similar things uh, are not essential personnel they didn't, they weren't allowed in there with the COVID and stuff. Right. So, you know, it's, it's been rough, you know, to be honest with you getting around to getting orders and I've been doing a lot of private stuff that, you know, weren't actually players, but they were still mostly sports or family. I do a lot of family portraits now too.
1: Right. Right. Well, I know you've been a very successful at it, and you caught everybody off guard with that because, you know, we never knew. And, First yeah. time I saw it was when I well, got. Well, you
3: know, you know, man, I, I live with a bunch of jocks, and you don't walk around talking about no paintbrushes. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, <laughs>
3: and just because I didn't talk about it didn't mean I couldn't do it. Right, right. Well, you you, you know, you
1: did a good job concealing from it from us because nobody had any clue that you were doing that.
3: No, and I I got that from my mother. Mm-hmm. My mother had the, the singular most important moment in my life in my art life, anyway was she, she was you know she was school principal, right, but she was also a, a student her whole life. She'd learned as much about everything as she could, and she took to doing charcoal drawing and went to a class and when she came back from that class, she showed me what they had done and it was like a light went off in my head because it was you know I was real good with my coloring books and stuff standing in the lines and all that kind of stuff, but they this was the first time I'd actually seen shading right. And made, making it look three dimensional, and I just went straight to my room, got some pencil and paper, and started doing stuff. Right. And then, other than that, her other words of wisdom. She she saw me uh, at a football game one night, and she only went to like one or two baseball games in my career. She pulled me out to the side. She said, Vernon Jr., I'm going to tell you this. You can you can hear it or not hear it." She said, "You are a baseball player." Wow. And I said, "What?" And this was at a point where I hadn't decided what I was yet, and you know, <laughs> Dad was my dad didn't play baseball, right? And uh, his brother played in the Negro leagues a little bit, but that was that was no that was you know I'm like what are you talking about? And that never that never left me. Wow, I mean baseball has been hanging on nagging on I me mean, like poking me in my back. He said, "The Lord telling me." I gave you this baseball stuff, but you're not using it. <laughs> right, right. So I got the message too late, but I'm, you know, I've got like uh, 35 rings and World Series action with adult baseball across the country. So right. made up for it, I guess, in that way.
1: Man, this is so eerie. My mother uh, told me a similar story about football. But hey, we got to take a out. Can you stick around, Vernon, okay. for another segment? Oh, yeah. Man, we have so much more to talk about. It's good having you here as our guest. You listen to the game. Laugh yet? 103.7 and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country,
1: you can listen to the game.
0: 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
2: The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free free. It's simple, so sign up today. Welcome
1: back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm your host, Daryl Harris, sitting in for Mesh. And Matt, uh, we were talking to Vernon well before the break. I want to get back to you. Vernon, you still there? Still here. Hey, uh, you know, I, I think about you and, and your son, you know, played Major League Baseball. And I can remember mm-hmm. my mother uh, telling me when my father would watch me playing for the Dolphins because I'm a junior they would say mm-hmm. his name on TV, and she said he'd stick his chest out like he caught the pass. So you now, <laughs> you being the parent and watching your son play Major League Baseball for the to- Toronto Blue Jays, and being a heck of a ball player by the way, how did it feel to you to see your son playing the game at that level and the sport that you really wanted to play yourself?
3: It was uh, it was a unbelievable experience from the time that uh, he started playing. Select ball as a 11 year old. Uh, they won the national championship as 11 year olds. They won it as 14 year olds, and they won the County Mac World Series when he was in high school. So that means he's on the map. As, as mm-hmm. By this time, they started calling me all the all the teams. Their scouts were calling me, right? Uh, Want to talk about him and looking at him in a first round pick. And I this was like before his senior season, even. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have to tell him that this is going on. But I said, you know, these scouts are are calling and telling me you're going to be a first-round draft pick. And maybe you are. But all I know is I see you and your competition in this part of the country every day. I don't know what's going on in California or what's going on in Florida. Right. So you don't, you don't need to be listening to what they say.
1: Exactly. You just
3: need to just go play. And so right now, I made him stop playing basketball. He was was an All-State quarterback, too. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I had to make him stop playing basketball because that overlapped with baseball. Right. And we knew that baseball was going to be his thing, even though, like me, I kind of... He liked football better than baseball. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) well... We can keep, you can keep playing football, right? but uh, let's put it in your back pocket that this baseball thing, if you are a first-round pick, you're an instant millionaire. Right. But let's just hold that thought in mind. <laughs> and, it, and if you still choose football, because he ended up signing with the University of Texas to play football, just in case oh, baseball I didn't go right. I didn't know that. And uh, Yeah, and I said, uh, if you go to Texas, I'm going to be honest with you, I'll go to the games, but I'm not wearing no damn burnt arms. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that wouldn't go right for a, yeah. a horned yeah. frog. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, he wasn't gung-ho baseball, but when he got to the end where it really looked like his name was mentioned as, you know, first high school player picked that year, the fifth overall in the first round, mm-hmm. he was a baseball player again. Right. And uh, for him to have done that was it was exciting for me, obviously, because I got to work as his uh, agent. Right. His real agent schooled me on what to say
4: mm-hmm. when
3: the we had Gord Ash, who was the GM of the Blue Jays, come in right. to our house to try to sign Vernon uh, two days before the draft. Right. You know, so they could get their ducks in a row. Yeah. So he called me up, and uh, I had met him before, and he he said, "We'd like to come talk to you." about the draft, and I said, well, it depends. And they said, on what? I said, you're talking about the fifth fifth pick in the first round? They said, yes, sir, we are. I said, well, come on over. He came over, and Vernon's real agents had told me what the procedure was for me and what I needed to be looking out for. Don't Mm. agree to anything unless you get this particular thing. So I said, okay. They told me about it, and they came in, and they talked, you know, and said, "Uh, okay, here's what we offer. So he goes in his briefcase, pulls out an envelope, and he had a number on it. The number was the same amount that the guy in the fifth, fifth pick got last year.
4: Right.
3: And I, I said, well, this, uh, this doesn't show any increase like it always does from last year. Right. And I said, now, I know last year you drafted a guy and you couldn't sign him. And he went back to college on you. And they, they looked at each other <laughs> and they said, oh, he's been doing his homework. Right,
4: right. And I said, yeah, well,
3: you, you're going to have to do better than this, Gord. He, said, he chuckled. Went, went into his bag one time. He had three envelopes. But he went to the last one because <laughs> right. he knew that I knew the number already.
0: Right.
4: And when
3: the number came out, I looked at Vernon. I showed him the number. And he kind of nodded. And I said, it "Looks like you got a center fielder." And I said, "Okay." What he does then at that moment, he gets on his phone and he calls two guys. His two assistants were in two other players' houses, waiting on the call to see if they got Vernon or not. Because right. they didn't get Vernon, they were going to get them.
1: Right. Second I said, "Tell your
3: boys to go home."
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a great so story. That,
3: that was the most fun I had about being his agent. Because as, as soon as he signed, I was done with that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he. That was. It was amazing, man. Just seeing him out there doing that. Right. And, you know, it. The most important moment to me. Is when we first got there, two days after the draft, they were going to let him take BP with the big league club as a high schooler, right? Wow! And I, we got to walk through the clubhouse, and Roger Clemens was on the team. This is there were six of my clients who were on the Blue Jays uh, active roster that day when I went up there. I mean, they, you know, they were all over me. And said, we heard that was your name. We just wondered if that was your son. I said, yeah, here he is. Wow. And Dan Plisak, I don't know if you know that name, but he was a pitcher back then. No, and he was sitting in his locker, looking at uh, looking at us walk through, and he's talking loud enough to where we can hear it. And he says, "I can't believe they've given these kids a million six to sign. They don't even know if they can play, you know, <laughs> like that." Right. So Vernon goes. Vernon goes out to hits in the regular hitting group, with, with the guys that are going to actually play the major league game that day, and his group. He hit more home runs in a major league park that day than they did. Wow. So on the way back through the clubhouse, Lee Sack sitting over there and says, well, at least it looked like they got one that could hit. <laughs> I said, yes, sir.
1: Let's go renegotiate after that show. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: look, now, I'm, I'm yeah. not the biggest of baseball fans that keep up with everything, so tell me just quickly about your son's statistics and how many years he played in the majors, Vernon.
3: He played 13 years in the big leagues. Could have right. played more, but right. uh, he was drafted by the Blue Jays, played 10 years there. He won three gold gloves wow. and was an uh, all-star three times. Then he got traded to uh, Anaheim, which we thought was going to be a good deal for him. That didn't work out too good for Anaheim or him because some of the other pieces didn't work too well. And then he gets traded to the Yankees. While in spring training, while I'm there in spring training, I go visit all the teams to give my brochures out and get orders and stuff. Right. So I come, I come back to the Anaheim clubhouse, and you know everybody knows me by name, right. and you know all the players. So I walk in there, and it was like you could have heard a pin drop. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Nobody didn't say nothing to me. Then Vernon walked up and he kind of whispered in my ear, and I didn't hear him the first time. And then he got a little louder. He goes, I'm a Yankee. And I said, Holy hold, hold that thought." <laughs> I went out the back door and did a dance because that's where I wanted him to be in the first place. Right. And right. That was, you know that that was pretty cool. But then wow. he got to he got to the Yankees. He hit 11 home runs the first month, and hit two the rest of the season.
4: Mm. He
3: he had an injury he didn't tell anybody about that right. affected his ability to get through the ball all the way. Right. And uh, so yeah, after two years with the Yankees, he he was done. He hung it up. They paid him big money to buy out his contract and. He was done. And he didn't miss it at all because, you know, he had two boys. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he wanted to be with them more. Right. And, uh, yeah, he, he had a great career. Oh, oh was, man. What a great ride. Thir-
1: 13 years and having your son in the in the majors, that had to be a, just a, a fantastic oh, situation to be yeah. in. Good, yeah. Good for you. Now, yeah. uh, I guess to chip off the old block, but you were telling me earlier we were talking, uh, you have a grandson that's a heck of an athlete too, right? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I can tell you this right now. He played at a at a small uh, private school right here in the area, right? And um, but he was like he was all state in football, all state in basketball, all state in baseball. Wow! And went to track four times. He got on the track four times and won the regional hundred meters, and was he finished fourth in the uh, state championship? And he'd only been in the starting blocks four times.
1: Wow! Hmm.
3: Yeah, and then. The reason he couldn't go uh, to track practice is because he was busy being a center fielder in baseball.
1: <laughs> well, so that's
3: that's truly like Bo Jackson was doing.
1: Well, it sounds like uh, he's going to need an agent, too, and I want to put my hat in the ring. Well, to... yeah.
3: Has, <laughs> as Vernon is now a certified uh, agent, by the way. Oh, okay. He, he, he had a, a first-round draft pick last year already. Wow, so, that's great. Yeah, but, but Christian Christian has given, says he's given up baseball. He's, he's going to be a senior this year. And he's he's going to a new school, a bigger school, and um, he's going to play football. Mm-hmm. He's not. If he plays baseball, it's going to be a surprise to all of us. But uh, right. I can tell you right now, not to take anything away from you or me, you especially. He's better. He's a better receiver right now than I was my senior year in college, and he was he was doing stuff that I didn't even see you do.
4: Wow, what
3: sounds was, like he's like. I'm on the sidelines at every game, you know, mm-hmm. shooting pictures and stuff. And uh, I, sometimes I forget to take the picture because I can't believe what I just saw.
1: How big is the kid?
3: He's exactly my size right now, but he's still growing. Wow.
1: That's
4: yeah. Not, and he, he's, he's
3: running, uh, I think, four or five right now. He's right. doing uh, some combines and, I mean, showcases and stuff. And, yeah, he's he's legit. Wow. And his bo- His the thing that separates him from you and I, back then – passing game was not as big as it is now, right?
1: Oh, yeah, without a lot of doubt.
3: This this kid has ball skills like you wouldn't believe. He don't have to be open for it to be a completion because he can jump <laughs> and he can go take it from you. That's, I, I, forget, I miss a lot of shots by looking at it instead of just shooting it. Right. Yeah.
1: Man, man so, I've, I've got to go to a game. Yeah, let me know who's going to be playing the schedule, and I'm going to do my best to make it a game. It sounds like this kid is yeah. one heck of an yeah. athlete.
3: Yeah, he's, he's legit. Uh, a
1: chip off the old block.
3: Yeah, and he's transferring to a school that is, the head coach at that school is Vernon's best friend and neighbor, our neighbor from high school.
4: Right. And his
3: his son played there, obviously, and he, he's at Rice now. He's going to be a freshman at Rice. Right. So it's kind of all in the family still.
1: Okay. Look, before I let you go here, tell me about these rings. Now, I know you've been playing – it's just baseball for a lot of years. I don't know if it's a senior mm-hmm. league or just a group of guys get well, together, but you've won like what, thirty five championships yeah, that, or something?
3: Yeah. It's a big it's a big deal, man. They have a World Series uh in, in Arizona and in Florida for age groups from eighteen and over to seventy five and over. Wow. Yeah. And uh obviously I'm not old old enough for that yet, but I'm getting close. And <laughs> but uh yeah, I've I have had the fortune, good fortune, to win a good number of them because I had the opportunity to play in more tournaments. But uh, the other, a lot of ex-pros play in those things. I was, about four years ago. Roger Clements was pitching against Oil can Boyd in the game. Wow! You know, it's not it's not professional ball. Yeah. It, it's amateur, but you know, he can be an ex-pro. Yeah. But you got to play in a top division, which you know I always do. Right. So I I play in the top division of all of them. And uh, I have had the fortune of being on some good teams. And uh, back when the metal, metal, metal bad d- days were happening, you know, we were hitting all kind of home runs, and then we go back to wood and the home runs go down, but, you know, the rings stay the same.
1: Wow. Well, Vern, yeah. that's been really interesting, man. Thank you for being on the show. And good okay, to catch- my pleasure. Good catching up with you, and we'll talk again soon. you listen okay. to the game, 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm your host, Duro Harris, sitting in for Matt today. Wow, what a, what a great segment we had there with uh, my good childhood friend, uh, Vernon Wells. And uh, we've got a couple minutes left. I just wanted to mention about uh, the passion of Bill Russell. What a, what a great athlete and a, a great human being the guy was. Can you imagine getting, what, 51 rebounds in the season and still finishing second to Will Chamberlain, who got 55? Both those guys are incredible, but we lost Bill Russell. Uh, what eight NBA championships, three as a coach, uh, unheard of. The first the first player coach, I think, that the NBA ever had, right?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think he was like the first one to be recognized as like the player coach because yeah, he helped coach those Celtics teams as well while, great, while also playing.
1: Yeah, the greatest shot blocker of all time. I mean, I'm not a big Celtic fan, but I used to watch him and. They'd always give my Lakers a hard time, but he was really an athlete and an advocate for, for civil rights. I mean, he did some work with Ali, Martin Luther King. And I heard him today, a little clip from him. He said something really important. He said he didn't care if people liked him or didn't like him. He didn't care if they thought he was a good player or not. He said the most important thing he wanted was just to be respected. And he said uh, he tried to teach his players to, to be respectful of others. So. What, what a great uh, lesson there. You know, Treat people like you want to be treated and be respectful, be kind. Uh, you go a long ways just for that thought alone. Hey, uh, we're going to wrap up hour number one. We'll be back after the break. You listen to the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game.
2: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm your host, Duriel Harris, sitting in for Matt. Hour number two, we've got a great second-half show for you. We've got our special guest come up at 515, Joe Washington, Former running back from Oklahoma, finished third in the Heisman Voting, played several years in the NFL and in the 1982 Super Bowl. He'll be our guest at 515. So, James, how about now? Let's let's talk a little bit of that Saints schedule today. Oh,
2: okay. I I like it. Yeah, let's let's get into it.
1: I mean, starting off at week one, you play one of your your arch rivals, the Falcons. How do you see that one going?
2: It'll be interesting because this will be the first, in a while, the – the, the bowl of the the number one and two pick from the twenty fifteen draft because James James Winston was the number one overall pick, but Marcus Mariota was the number two and he went from Tennessee, was the backup in Oakland, and now he's going to be the starter more likely and not for Atlanta. So this will be the the first rivalry we had seen him. I think back in twenty fifteen, like week two or three, but this will be the first time in a while that we see him, and it'll be like a it'll also be a rivalry game.
1: Yeah, and whenever, whenever they play, you never know who's going to win that. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a favorite or not. That's just such a big rivalry game that you're just never really sure of the outcome. But I look at the second week, uh, the Buccaneers, you know, with uh, you know, Super Bowl champions, Brady coming back now. First he wasn't, now he is. Uh, <laughs> that should be interesting to see, you know, how they are after the first week and then the Saints get them. And that could be a real test for the Saints and as how well as they play against Tampa.
2: Oh, yeah. and I mean – the Saints have had the the Buccaneers number the last two years since Brady has joined Tampa because in the regular season the Saints are four and zero against against Brady led Tampa teams.
1: Yeah, and that, not too many people can say that against Brady. I yeah. mean, he's he's been dominant whichever division he's been in. He's just you know manhandled everybody
2: else. And it, and it's interesting because Tom last year the the Saints had the first Tom Brady was shut out for the first time since 2006 so it had been fi- over 15 years mm-hmm. since Brady put up zero points on the scoreboard a Brady-led offense put up zero points and and the Saints Saints defense did that and that was with Jameis like still being injured still recovering so Taysom Hill had to start a quarterback
1: right I'm just looking further down the schedule as a player you know, I love the Monday night games. <laughs> I see where the week nine the Saints play the Ravens Monday night. Lamar Jackson, what a game that should be! Ooh,
2: and and I'm I'm a fan of Lamar. I know I know he always gets the criticism of him just being like a dedicated, just uh, just another running back almost, just being under center. But I know I've I've heard a lot and watching him over the years, he's gotten better as a passer. And there's even reports right now where He's got more velocity, and he's he's got more zip on the ball. So it's like, okay, well, he's and even seeing some pictures, like, okay, he's been in the gym a little bit. He he's been working on his throwing, not just only worrying about his reliability of his legs. So that'll be an interesting matchup. The only thing that worries me is the Saints have trouble against running quarterbacks because you saw we've seen the last two years against the Eagles, Jalen Hurts just has their number, and they kind of struggle against running QBs.
1: Well, if they struggle against running QBs, they're going to have nightmares against Lamar Jackson. Oh, he, yeah. He's the best runner in the NFL period, whether it's a running back, receiver, or a, uh, quarterback. This guy is an unbelievable talent, and he makes people miss like no one I've ever seen in, in my 10-year career as the NFL. It's just amazing how good this guy is. He,
2: he, he makes highlights – that I would make on Madden on on the Madden NFL video game. That I that that's just how crazy he plays.
1: Well don't they call him what nickname the joystick or something? Yeah it's like whenever <laughs>
2: whenever you're really shifting and you could juke and spin move. Yeah I mean they you kind of call him like a human joystick.
1: Right, right. And then we move into week 13, you've got another Monday night game used to Buccaneers. That that should be a good one because by November the teams are in a unique position and know where they're going to be or they're fighting for that, that top spot. So that's got to be a real good game coming up uh, in uh, December against the Buccaneers on Monday night.
2: Yeah, that that one will really decide how unle- – unless there's just an utter collapse of one of the teams, this, this almost could decide the division itself because if the Saints are able to win both games against Tampa and they've – I mean, if they've both got around the same record and they both end up being – 11-5, and five. the Saints are going to get the edge since they won both games against Tampa, and Tampa's going to be number two, so the Saints are going to win the division. So that almost could decide it, unless there's an utter collapse of one of the two teams. Yeah,
1: and then right after that game there, you have week 14, the Saints have their bye week. I personally would like that bye week to come a little earlier than a year where you can get some rest midseason. As far as the end, you're kind of worn down, and sometime at week is not enough, but uh, they have a bye week in week 14, and then they come back and week 15 and play the Falcons again
2: yeah for me I'm I am more of a personal personally for me I prefer a later bye week than an earlier mids the mid is fine with me like eight eight nine ten that's fine with me but I'm kind of more of a 1314 kind of guy mm-hmm. because it's yeah you're you're kind of a little more beat up than you would be if you get the bye week at 8 9 10 but that that's why I feel like Having the bye week at thirteen or fourteen, you get that week's rest. You kind of it, it feels like it's more relieving. Not to mention, from seven to eight, you kind of already get a miniature bye because you're playing Thursday night football at Arizona, right. but then you don't play again for another ten days. So you you almost you do kind of get a mini bye week with that. Yes, you do. So I, I kind of like it because you will have some injuries where. You kind of are going to need some guys for those final four weeks, and once you get that week's rest, you'll be back at the the following Sunday. You get to play a division opponent.
1: Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting with the schedule they have, and with the with the additions they've uh, added to the team since last year to draft for free agency. So, uh, it should be a good uh, good season for the Saints overall, and exciting for the fans.
2: Oh yeah, one game that I specifically like, and I know a lot of people in the area and the state of Louisiana are going to like. That are just chomping at a bit to get. I don't even know if there are any tickets available left. That's going to be the the Cincinnati game, Week Six. Since not only is it a home yeah, game, yeah, but you got your LSU hero and Joe Burrow playing. Not to mention Jamar Chase is also on the Bengals, right? So it's like you get the LSU boys. So I, there's going to be a lot of LSU fans that are probably going to wear a lot of Joe Burrow Bengals jerseys. But <laughs> right? it's, it's going to be an electric game. Since for me, I like LSU. So being able to see the best LSU quarterback and and them playing the Saints in the Superdome.
1: Yeah, and then you've got a couple players from LSU on the Saints team. And if Tyrone Matthews back there on defense and he's oh, playing yeah. against Burrow and, you, and, uh, and like you
2: see, a, you see an interception by Tyrone Matthew and Joe Burrow. It's like, oh, right. LSU on LSU crime, but you love to see it.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a good one. It's interesting to see. Uh, just how many fans come out uh, wearing those Bengals jerseys
2: to support Burrow? <laughs> oh, okay. I know a few people that bought some some Joe Burrow Bengals jerseys like right away. Either it was a jersey or like a like one of those jer- like a the t shirt jerseys where it's like you have the numbers and you have the name on the back, but it's just a regular t shirt. That way you don't pay the 100 dollars for the jersey itself. Right, right.
1: Now, what about Odell? I haven't heard. Has he signed yet with anyone or
2: not yet? But I did see a report that the Rams are open to him like coming back. Like, hey, I mean, once once you've recovered right. we don't mind you coming back. Right. Which that would just make that offense oh overpowered at that point. Cause you got some nice running backs and Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. You got Tyler Higby who is a top fifteen tight end. And then having Cooper Cup who How many times have you seen a wide receiver get the triple crown, lead the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns? No,
1: he's he's a special talent, and if you got somebody like Odell on the other side, I mean, uh, with Coop getting that much attention, Odell gets some one on one, and that should be
2: like you know taking candy from a baby. Exactly, and and one that kind of kind of got slept on last year because he just he was in a bad offense. Allen Robinson, he's had to deal with below average quarterbacks his whole career when he started in Jacksonville had to play with Blake Bortles still put up thousand yard seasons and then he got traded to the Bears played with Mitchell Trubisky which a lot of people are low on him I, I think he's I think he should get more credit but I still wouldn't put him as a middle of the road or above average quarterback so he's he's had to play with below average talent. At the signal caller position, and he's still put up crazy numbers. And we've seen Matt Stafford, who in his career has played with the some of the the wide receivers who put up some of the best seasons ever. Calvin Johnson in two thousand eleven right. with his nineteen hundred sixty four receiving yards, and then Cooper Cup last year. It's like he's able to, he's able to do really good with wide receivers, and him and Odell just like. Click just like that. So it's like, if you have that three-headed monster on the outside, Tyler Higby, two nice running backs, and a solid O line with Matt Stafford, who is slowly, I guess you could say, regressing since he'll be thirty-four. And it's like, well, if you're thirty-four, I mean, you'll Matt Matt will probably play another four years, but it, he's not a top-five guy. Still a really good QB, but having that as an as an offense, that's going to be scary with Bobby Wagner known as a top three linebacker, having him guard the middle. You still got Jalen Ramsey, who's still considered the top cornerback in the league. And then Aaron Donald, who's considered just the best player by a lot of people over on the NFL. Rams, if they get Odell back, I I could see a repeat by them. Oh,
1: sure. They've been in the best position to come out the NFC to, to repeat. What about uh, AFC? Who do you think come out of AFC?
2: AFC, early odds – I mean you gotta look at Buffalo. The, they got a stacked they got a stacked team as well. It's gonna be really tough in the AFC because there's so much competition because you got the Bengals, you got Mahomes and the Chiefs, you got the Raiders like the whole AFC West division by itself is insane. Like we don't even I don't even have to look at that just yet, but looking at Buffalo, you would probably say that because they were one coin toss away from going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I yeah. mean and they added more depth. There, it's another year where the main course together. So you feel like Chiefs have kind of taken a step back. The Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers have all taken steps forward, but is it enough for them to make it to the dance? I'm not sure about that. You you probably have to go with Buffalo if you're if you're gonna bet someone. The the likely one would be Buffalo since they were this close and I feel like they've gotten just about they, they've they gotten better not as much as other teams in the AFC but you probably have to lean them since they were right there and, and they only got better.
1: Well, Buffalo's really good but Buffalo was in our division with the Dolphins and I just can't you you don't want to see it pick buffalo you know they come in second but i just can't pick them to win so i'm I'm hoping that kansas city will bounce back from last year and then have another good year
2: well what do you think of since since your former dolphin what do you think of the dolphins so far
1: well they they're happy with with two and they're excited uh they think they've got some pieces around him now and he's uh had a couple years with the offense to make that transition. So this is the year. If he's going to jump and be that guy that they think he is, he has to do it this year because if not, they'll start looking somewhere else. So this is his year. He's got to stay healthy and prove that he can uh, be the starting quarterback and, and lead them to AFC's title.
2: And it'll be interesting because they have – I would I would almost consider the, the Dolphins as kind of like the track star offense because – you have what I would consider the three fastest players in the league. You got Tyreek Hill as your, your wide receiver one. You got your going into a second year wide receiver in Jalen Waterloo out of Alabama. Those two are considered like two of the fastest, if not like two of one of the fastest, like top five. And then someone that has been injured the last couple of years but ha- but is up there as well, like top five as well, is Raheem Mostert, who was a former 49er, so it's like, what do you think of all the speed? Like, is that gonna probably propel them, and maybe be second in division and get a get a, above New England?
1: Well, the Dolphins haven't had a real strong deep threat in several years, so I think with the addition of those guys, the uh, real speed burns and, and Tyree Hill should draw a lot of attention no matter where he lines up on the field. So uh, if Tool can just get them the ball and let those guys do it from there, you know, because there's a lot of talent out there. So if you can hey.
2: chug it deep enough, I mean they'll they'll go ahead, they'll run and go get it. So hey. it's like that's that's easy 80 yard touchdowns. He can run
1: and, and go hand it off to Tyreek Hill. That <laughs> still can can go all the way. So. Oh, yeah, no he's a, doubt. He's a threat every time he touched the ball. Well, we're gonna take a timeout and when we come back, we'll have our second guest on. You listen to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 1st, 1945. New York Giants outfielder Mel Ott hits his historic 500th MLB home run to become the third player in MLB history to join the 500 club. The first two were Babe Ruth and Jimmy Fox. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: The game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our awards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or even a $25 gift certificate to Maple's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with Matt Miguez and Mish. I'm Duro Harris sitting in for Matt. We have on the phones, now a good friend of mine, another guy from Port Arthur, Texas, grew up in Lakeside Park. This guy was probably the best running back to come out of not only Port Arthur but the state of Texas, my good friend and neighbor. We lived on the same street there in Lakeside. Mr. Joe Washington, how are you today?
5: I'm fine. And don't forget we used to get in trouble
1: together. <laughs> I know it, I know it. Hey, you you were the ring leader. I just followed you, man. <laughs>
5: hey, you you know what? You sound just like Kim. He says the same thing. I'm the ring leader. Man, I followed y'all around. I did whatever you all told me to do. You know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, that's another conversation we're gonna have. But man, I was thinking, Joe, we, we go Absolutely. back we go back so far. <laughs> And you may not remember everything, but I remember going to your house. You and I in the room playing electric football for hours. Yep. Yes, indeed. Next week I come there, your (laughs) men are just pushing my men all over the place. I'm saying, what's going on? Then after you beat me like (laughs) a hundred and nothing, you show me underneath the bottom. You glued some washes on them to make them heavier. (laughs) 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 Heavier.
5: <laughs> hey, you knew me. I always hey found an edge. Hey, I had to always come up with something yes. to make things better. So yeah, hey. I, well, you know, and I had to let you know, Shucks, I couldn't let you go on like this and you'll be getting pushed around like that with all the other guys. So hey. Gotta tell everybody the
1: secret. Well, well, the next week I come to your house, I've got marbles glued to my bed. They all my football yeah. players look like the Michelin Man, and then you pull yours out and look like you had steel ball bearings. So you, you still beat me.
5: Hey, that's one thing we were always taking it to the next level, and that's what we always did, and and that's how I how, how all the guys were in our neighborhood. You know what? We were all athletic. I tell you what, our neighborhood had some of the best athletes on the planet. We sure We had did. guys that could do everything. Some of them didn't, weren't even interested in it, but you know, they were good. Some didn't have the opportunity to do it. But hey, you know, we were all good, and we did things that were in season. We played track, we played right. basketball, we played baseball. And hey, it wasn't a sport that our neighborhood couldn't, you know, uh, I, I guess say, you know, uh, be fishing at, or even enjoy, because we had something going on every day.
1: And, and how crazy was it? I remember those mile relays we had. You know, the blocks in Lakeside were so long, and we had have about five <laughs> or six people, and they'd go way around the block, and we'd have a relay, and take, it would take, what, seven minutes to come back around the block. I mean, we just did some crazy things out there, but it was all in fun. It really was.
5: Oh, it was. And,
1: and I remember— You know we, what? We played and a you know games. what,
5: too, Durial, uh-huh. one thing I will say, you know, we enjoyed it. It was something we loved to do. We were always outside. And, you know, kids, you know, they don't have that luxury of being able to do the things that we did at that particular time. They really don't.
1: No. They're they're handicapped with the Internet and and games. We have to make our own games. And and speaking of games, you know, it was fun the few times they let me be on the team with you, but it got to a point where they wanted to always separate us and make us play against each other. And, you know, I said, come on, can't we play together one time? Always got to be playing against Joe.
5: Hey, that was it. That was always it. And that was always it with me and Tim. And, I mean, you know, and you know what? And they and they were right, you know. It, it made us, you know, much better. But then again, too, when we did play together, hey, we had a certain synergy that you know was really unbelievable and uncanny. And we were able to do certain things. And and you know what, I would say, you know, the arguments we had in the neighborhood were very rare because shoot, we knew we needed to get along because hey, we needed everybody out there to be able to feel all the football teams and baseball teams that we were having. Right. So. Hey, we all got along real well and still talk to each other, you know, to this day and time.
1: You know, man, I was thinking about some things waiting for the show to come on. I thought about the time that you guys would pick me up, uh, to go to Lincoln. Your father come on a little Volkswagen flying down the street, yeah. and he started it's announcing that- the game. He said, Okay, uh, hand off to Joe Washington, he turns the corner, and he goes on well, so and then you see and then Kenny drops back to pass, he hits Daryl Harris over the middle, blah, 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 Like he was, you know, we we're all playing together. And I was thinking, man, we didn't, never got a chance to actually play together like that no, as kids. Dude. You know, the, we, we grew up in a time and, you know, uh, integration came along and Lakeside was supposed to go to Stephen F. and the West Side Lincoln. <laughs> and and I could have uh, gone there because I had a grandmother address in, uh, in Port Arthur, but when he gave my father a job over there, Stephen also I felt an obligation to go there then. Hey,
5: Needy, hey, you know, all going well, there wasn't any way for me to go anywhere else but with my dad's school, and you know what? And we all expected the same thing with you, and hey, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Hey, hey, how are you going to keep your son from coming out to play? For you. I mean, are you kidding me? Right, you know right. and that's one rule, you know, they should just, you know, just you know, vanquish at that particular time, get rid of it because you know, and you know what? Hey, we were disappointed. Right.
4: You know,
5: Kim and I that we weren't gonna get a chance to play together, but hey, hey play for our dad too, so hey, why should you make a decision to play for your dad?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sp- speaking of playing for your father, I know me being at Stephen F. Austin you know, you always have the naysayers growing up. Oh, the only reason he's playing is because his father's there. So I'm sure you had some of that going in Lincoln, too, because you were playing for your father. So did you feel any added pressure because you were playing for your father?
5: You know what? I really didn't. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, I learned early on, is to expect more of yourself than anybody else does, including your dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being around my dad, you know, you know, me and Kim, you know, when we were real little, you know, even before we were in first grade, you know, hey, we were we were there in the huddle. We were at practice every day. We went away. I got run over every day at practice when I was in kindergarten. I was only about six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. I'm in the huddle and it was okay with him. And it was okay with the players. So I always felt that, you know, I would have to be, you know, a, a hard worker right. and be good enough because I was in the atmosphere, and I wanted to be, to do these things, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and, and, and it didn't dawn on me. So once I got to uh, to leave, it was... I wanted to make sure that I showed them that my dad for the most part with me playing because he really didn't want to play me in the first place until his assistants told him to move me up right. he, he was able to definitely showed that I that I was capable of playing, so you know it, it it was a little tough for me at that time when he left me um on the uh, freshman team right. and uh, me thinking that I was going to play. But, you know, hey, it all worked out, and it, it humbled me. It made me want to work even harder, Right, you know, to show to show him and prove to him that, hey, I'm good enough to do this, and right. you don't have to worry about me. Even though I'm a freshman, you don't have to worry about me. I can carry my own weight, and that's what I'm going to do. And I was fortunate enough, you know, to get the opportunity to do it.
1: Right, right. Well, you, you did it because uh, – I was at Austin, and you know, uh, looking at the paper every day. Of course, Lincoln and TJ was on the first two pages, and Stephen F. was on the third page next to the classifieds.
4: <laughs> but but I, but I
1: kept up, with is as best I could. And uh, you were you were making some noise over there, so I would have a great game, and you know they would say good things on that on that last page. And so I, I just felt good that we were both on a track to to really cool. do well. And uh, I guess. When when I got a chance to go to New Mexico State, uh, I went there because of the past, you know, everybody in Texas was running wishbone. So yep, my, exactly. my question is, mm-hmm. I never get a chance to ask you this, but why did you choose Oklahoma? Because hey, look, if I had over fifty offers, Joe, I know you had over three hundred. So what was so special about yeah. Oklahoma?
5: Well, you know what, you know, let me just say one thing first. You know, we 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 kept up, you know, with you, and and, and one of the things camp I used to talk about, you know, was you know, man, can you imagine? how good we could be with your size and speed. You always had real good hands. You could catch the football. And, you know, we were all tough guys in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we just used to think, because we che- hey, we check your stats all the time. I said, look, he, he's, <laughs> he's running the football. He's <laughs> catching it. And I said, my goodness, can you imagine what this would really be like? And uh, I just want to let you know, hey, hey we, we, we kept up with the stats. We talked about it, and we just, you know, always tried to imagine, you know, what would be if that would have been, you know, the whole situation. But I tell you what, you know, I, I, I was, you know, I got letters from every uh, school in the universe. And what made me choose, for, and let me just put it like this. As a kid, I grew up wanting to go to Texas. Chris Gilbert was one of my favorite running backs, uh uh, Jim son, you know, Woo-Woo, Wooster. Right. You know, hey, man, I knew all these cats on this team, Bill Bradley, all these guys on Texas' team. And when Daryl Roy would have his show, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday nights, and they'd pay their eyes the eyes of Texas upon you, me and Kim would stand up, put our hands over our heart, and show would hook hookem side. You know what I mean? So, like most kids, you know, we wanted to. I definitely, you know, was leaning towards Texas early on. I wasn't aware, you know, that you know there weren't very many, you know, you know, you know, black players playing in the, you know, southwestern conference. But then again, that didn't even phase me one way or another. After I, you know, narrowed it down and you know sent back to all the other schools, you know, I actually returned the letter that, you know I wasn't interested. I. I narrowed it down eventually to Texas, Oklahoma, and the University of Houston. And two out of those three schools, Duriel, um, had a uh a black coach whom was uh, who whom I knew since I was a kid, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Wendell Mosley who coached at B C L more in Houston, right. knowing him when I was a kid at Wharton. Coach Elmo Red, who coached at my uh, mom's uh, dad's school, who was the principal. I knew him as a kid. So that sort of turned it, you know, where the relationships, I knew someone there, and they knew me. They 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 watched me grow up. You know, they they watched me grow up. And for them to come to me and talk and, you know, tell me, you know, hey, they, they wanted me and these were two places for me, that had a lot of... Uh, weight because like i say they have they've known me since i was you know five or six years old right and um and and, and it made a difference i thought i'd wanted to run i would would have much rather run the uh the wishbone than the veer with the two bags you know you were a little bit limited into you know the different plays you could run so i sort of leaned a little bit more towards texas and oklahoma and at that time man you know they were They were all busting it up. Plus, a chance and the opportunity to play in the same backfield with Greg Pruitt.
1: Right. Well, man, Joe, hey, we got to take a timeout, but stick around. I've got some other questions I'm dying to ask you. So just stick around. We'll get back after the break. You listen to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Five (laughs)
0: times! You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up, at a goner! You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
2: The game 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC. Little Meridian Houston downtown in the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I'm Dury Harris, sitting in for Matt. I've got on the phone with me the running back from Oklahoma, Joe Washington, who's drafted in the first round by the San Diego Chargers. Grew up down there with me in Port Arthur, Texas. Joe, it's something I want to ask you. When I, when I left uh, Port Arthur going to New Mexico, uh, it was uh, a real easy transition for me to make from high school to college. Uh, that's when I realized that how good a coaching we had down there in Southeast Texas. Once I got there, the coaching I received in Texas prepared me to be able to play at the next level and to succeed early on. My freshman year, I started at New Mexico State. You going to Oklahoma, one of the largest schools, was your transition as easy as you thought it would be going from High school to college, or was it more difficult for you to make that transition from Lincoln, to Oklahoma?
5: You know, I, um, you know, for whatever reason, I always felt that I could play anywhere. And you know, one of the you know incentives that I had to go to the University of Oklahoma was, you know, that was the first year you know freshmen were eligible to play. You know, you know, due to the uh, you know Marshall. You know tragedy, you know with freshmen being able to play in you Israel, and one thing my dad always uh instilled in us and in me is uh don't let anybody outwork you, you know mm-hmm. what i mean right hey, hey that's it you know you can hate hey you if you work, you can get accomplished anything. I was still a little bit concerned about my size, you know being you know the size I was. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was, you know, quick enough. You know, I didn't have your your breakaway speed and anything, all that stuff. But I was, you know, quick enough to do and compete. So I went there (laughs) and Mm -hmm. at left half where I was, I was eighth team on the depth chart. Wow. On the right side, they had uh, eight guys. At fullback, they had nine. At quarterback, they had seven. And it didn't upset me because, you know, they hadn't seen me. I hadn't had a chance to make an impression. And, you know, being a hard worker and knowing, you know, that practice is the, is the opportunity for you to get to play in the game. You don't play in the game. You know, you don't get that opportunity to play in the game unless, you know, you can show them what you can do in practice. Right. And, you know, and during those days we had three-a-day practices. We scrimmaged, scrimmaged for as long as we can. And whenever I got the ball, whether it was in dummy or, or, or team or whatever, I showed what I can do. And I made sure that, you know, that work ethic where we, you know, used to run the ball 40, 50 yards down the field every time, which put pressure on the other guys. Right. But, you know, when you got a chance to scrimmage, and the first time they touched, I touched the ball, I let them know that I was here to stay.
4: <laughs> right, right, right.
5: <laughs> hey, and what, hey, once I did that, let me tell you what, that was it. It was all Katie bar the door and the competition heated up a little bit more because now it, it it sort of transcends to all of our guys being in practice and, and busting their butts, you know, to show what they can do. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cause I, I always tell kids now, you know, when you're working and practicing, Hey, you're auditioning for, a, for, for, for a spot. You know what I mean? Exactly. Hey, you, Hey, you can't just, go out there and, you know, think, you know, just because, you know, you recruited and you have all these stats, hey, you are auditioning for a spot. And at that time, hey, we had all these backs that were in the backfield that were auditioning and it turned over to all of our linemen and every other position. And that is one of the reasons we won two national championships and then lose for two games. Mm -hmm. I I truly believe that. Mm
4: -hmm. I
1: truly do. Well, when my situation was a little bit different, you know, going to Mexico State, I had two seniors and two juniors in front of at receiver. And I was cutting up, you know, making some great plays in practice. And so the coach put me aside and said, well, you know, uh, you don't have the experience to, to, to start. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, the first game of the season is up against SMU, Joe. And we're playing them. And, and they had Alvin Maxson from Beaumont. You know, a great yep, little R. running. Back.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look what mm-hmm. they do.
1: They they send me down with the scout team to give them a look of Alvin Maxson. So I'm playing oh. running back against the first team defense. Joe, I must have ran for about 300 yards against the first team defense. <laughs> After practice, I get a call from the head coach. They come up to the Pan Am Center. I go up there. He says, you can call your parents. Tell me you're making a team to trip as a running back. <laughs> So that's how I got to go on the first road game oh my as, a, as a running back, you know. And I, I was just running quick sweeps and doing like Alvin Max running for daylight. So lo mm-hmm. and behold, against SMU, they were ranked like in a top 10 that year. We play them like seven, six at halftime. Our starting running back getting hurt, Joe, in the third quarter.
5: Oh, no.
1: They stuck me out there at 153 pounds, didn't even know the plays. <laughs> And they were just running sweeps and draws with me, and I gained like 55 yards that, that first game. The next game, I had a week of practice. I started running back, Joe, the last six games my freshman year at New Mexico State, but they said I didn't have enough experience to start wide receiver. It was crazy, but, you know. Are you
5: kidding me? Yes. You know what? Let me tell you what. That is crazy. You know what I used to always say and tell about coaches? Coaches are the weirdest SOBs on the planet. They are. I don't care. And I used to tell Dad him too. Y'all are weird <laughs> people and they do weird stuff. And hey, I rest my case when they say you are not, you know, experienced enough to start a receiver, mm. so there you go, checkmate.
1: <laughs> right. 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 It was just crazy. But Once I start, you know, running back there it was all it was okay then. I mean I gained uh, I had like three or four hundred yard games too it was crazy <laughs> but I couldn't wait to get back to next year get back out to a wide out wait a minute you
5: didn't Hey, you didn't like it back there. what was wrong you didn't like it back then no
1: Joe look I didn't like running between the guards I like going on the sweeps <laughs> and the quick pitches you know but running up that middle oh no 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 so you know I said, bless you my brother you did but I couldn't oh gee that's alright you know I, man
5: I did not know that I yeah. did not know that. I, I running back, man, it was, it
1: was crazy. Well, look, you know, our, our <laughs> career is kind of like paralleled in, in so many ways on and off the field. I, I think about it, we lived on Robin Hood. You guys moved to Lakeside. You live on Robin Hood about five hours down. Later, we mm-hmm. moved on Kashmir. You guys moved yep. on Kashmir, a couple hours down. We both go off to college, and after four years, we meet up at the college All-Star game. And, yeah. you know, this was after the draft. Of course, you, uh, James, and I think Bubble Bean, you guys were all first-rounders. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm back. I'm a third-rounder. You know, I've got a chip on my shoulder. But I got a chance to play an All-Star game with all the first and second-round draft picks. So that made me feel like I had arrived. So we got there at a college All-Star game. Uh, I remember working my way up the depth chart and, and going against some of these guys, you know, from the Big Ten and Big 12. Yeah. And, they, mm-hmm. you know, had, they had the hype, but, you know – they, they, they,
5: but you realized right away that hey, you had the skills and abilities to play hey, anywhere. Hey, it wasn't a no big thing, and right. you went right. Hey, you beat all of those guys like you used to beat all those other
1: guys. Right. <laughs> same, same. That was so funny, man. And then watching you in the backfield, and you know they were high on Archie Griffin, was a great player. But man, <laughs> and when they saw you for the first time go through the line, I never get this. You went right at Parsegan's toes and kind of shook a little bit and went the other way. <laughs> He turned around, scratched his head, watching. You know, you blew him away, Joker's. He'd never seen anything that quick. You know, because Archie had holes. You know, big enough for your your, your grandmother to run through. You know, and he wasn't quick. So when they saw you, man, it was like a blur. But let me ask you this: I've been wanting to ask you this. We played mm-hmm. the last game of the college all stars versus the world champion yep, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. This is the only mm-hmm. game I know of in, in history to be called because of weather. You remember that monsoon came down. At the game. Yeah, do you? hey, do you
5: remember the kids running in and out, sliding in out huddle, wanting to know what the play is yeah, and all yeah. that stuff? Yeah, they were sliding
1: yeah. on the field. But look, the funny part, yeah. we go inside, and everybody is taking the tape off their ankles and shoes, cutting off the parsing, and looks at them and say, what are you guys doing? We're going back out there. And we all looked at each other and say, you may be going back, but we're not going back because <laughs> the Steelers were killing us. <laughs> Didn't they have us like 28 to nothing and a half or something?
5: Hey, all I know is this. That team was one of the best I'd ever played against. And you know what? I uh, and, and I think, you know, being able to run against those guys and do some of the things I was able to do, I think they held me up on the uh, sideline. Mel Blunt and mm-hmm. a couple other of these guys got me held up on the sideline, and they still ain't touched me. So I knew then, I said, yep, I think I can play in this league here because, you know, you know, it's quickness is, you know, it's, it's it's tough. You know, you have to be able to go in the same direction with me at the same time and be able to stop and change direction. You know, a lot of of those guys can do that the way we used to do it, you know, including yourself. Right. And I knew then, I knew then at that particular point that I could, uh, that I could play and that I was going to play and hopefully have a, you know, a pretty good, you know, career, but you know, it convinced me, you know, that particular game, that, you know, that we were able, you know, we were capable of playing. And I knew you were going to play because I watched you in practice. Right, right. And uh, watch, you know, watching you run those doggone posts and corner routes. My, <laughs> my, my yeah. favorite, my favorite. Play.
1: <laughs> well, look, hold on, Joe. we got to take another time out. But when we come back after the break, I'm going to talk to you about playing the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Uh, you're listening you to the it. game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home of the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. I'm here with my guest, Joe Washington. Joe, we got one quick question before I let you go. But I was just thinking, man, how our careers ended up where, you know, young kids, you have these goals and dreams of making it to the next level. We both achieved that. And then we get to play in the biggest game of our careers, and we get to play in Super Bowl. Even though we're on opposite teams, man, what a pleasure it was to be there with you in Pasadena for that Super Bowl, even though you guys beat us, you know, I still haven't gotten mm-hmm. over that quite all the way yet. But it was still nice to <laughs> to meet up with you again in Super Bowl, man, and just a just a great career and a way to top it off from two local kids with dreams who happened to make it big in the NFL. What what a, what a blessing well, I, that was. Look, well, you know what,
5: I was really happy, you know, to do it because um, you know to be able to you know play against someone that you knew you were familiar with that deserved it, and and I always thought even at that particular time, you know, hey if we lose a good thing about it is, Hey, one of us got the ring and, you know, and it was you and, you know, you deserved it. I was just lucky to, I was just lucky really, you know, to get there to be able to, you know, play, you know, suit up and play. Because early in the season, I tore my ACL. Right. right. And, you know, and know during those days, (laughs) they didn't fix it. You start (laughs) looking for other means of employment, but you know, I, I struggled through and made plays to get us there. So, uh, I, w- I was really happy, you know, to be able just to accomplish that, and then with us winning, oh my God, you know, that's that, that was that, that was a pretty big thing, man. pretty yes. big thing.
1: Well, it was great, man. I was happy for you all, and happy for you, and happy for the career you had. And uh, wow, what what only in America like this is going to happen where two childhood kids grow up <laughs> on the same street and they make it to the big one. Hey. <laughs> Joe, thanks for being on, man. We have to do this again because we could go for hours, man, and and swap stories about Uh our careers. But thanks for being here, and we look forward to talking to you soon, okay?
5: Hey, Joe, it was my pleasure. Holler at me anytime, man, but I'll keep in touch.
1: Okay, thanks, Joe.